Audrey told us all what we're talking about. First. Uh, chapter four today. Who wrote it? Judging what he did, he's going to get judged on what his people did because he's the one who taught the people. Oh, that's a good thought. Because that's what Pastor said. Yeah, it's important. <clears throat> a warning to people who teach, even. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. What's the theme? Um, it's teaching the people of Thessalonica how to live their lives. Why? I mean, he definitely, like, I think the Galatians, he was angry. Because they, they messed up. But, like, we talked about, like, how their doing reflects his teaching. Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, so when you're, when you're reading Paul, he's a lawyer, right? So he's got this flow of argument that passes through the entire book. Um... But if you're looking for the theme, look in chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 1. Verse 4. Okay. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. All right. Tell me the theme. Um, knowing your brethren helps you, helps God <laughs> win the election. No. You were chosen by God. Yes, you were chosen. All right, the Thessalonians were chosen. You. Are chosen for what? To do whatever God chosen. Yes, <laughs> you are chosen for God's work. All right. God has a special job for Phoebe, and for Gideon, oh my. and for everybody else. All right. <clears throat> so <clears throat> the reason that Paul is writing is and telling the Thessalonians you know what things you can do to live a better life is so that you guys can or the Thessalonians and in turn us can be ready to do this work that God has for us right so if if there's if we don't follow these rules then we won't be ready and there's a whole bunch of reasons behind that um let's talk about Paul's flow of argument right what happened in chapter one? Five weeks, four weeks ago, four weeks ago. He introduces this idea of being chosen and and what? Can we remember? That's important. That's the most. That's the most important part of the book. That is. That was a correct thing to write down. Um, 
So he basically tells the Thessalonians that they're, because that's one of the first places that he started a church in Greece, that they are the example. for the rest of the young churches in the area. All right? So that's that's their job. That's what God chose them to be. They are the example, and so all of their actions matter because it's going to affect everybody else and all the churches that come after. All right, what happens in chapter 2? I better know this one I taught. Okay. Uh, so Paul talks about some of the ways people have tried to discredit his work in chapter 2? I don't remember. I think you were. So, some people will try to discredit and persecute. It talks about how the Jews are persecuting the Christians back in uh, Judea. But if you lead... A good life, or if you do what God tells you to do, then all of these discredits and uh, persecutions kind of don't hold up. All right, and then uh, so the flow of argument here is that if you obey God and His commandments, uh, those arguments against you won't won't hold. Uh, so Paul charges us essentially to walk. Worthy of God. What does he mean when he says walk? You should strut. Uh -huh. Skip. No, you should walk by faith and not by what you want to walk. By. But what does it mean to walk? What is what is that specifically? You take a step and then take another one. <laughs> <laughs> Put one foot in front of the other. And soon. Uh, he, when he says walk, and he uses this term all throughout the book, he's talking about your life's journey. Okay. Right? It's how you should live. Uh, chapter 3, last week. We talked about the example. Right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I remember that. You get an example, and then you follow it. So this will help you... Follow those commandments and those rules that God set up for you. <clears throat> and what's the other way you can live to, <clears throat> to be worthy of God? It's a big one. Big one. All right, love. Oh. I'll give it to you. Oh, oh, charity. Charity. It's okay. Love. Yeah. Love can take many forms. Uh, Paul says, uh, "May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, so that you may establish your hearts blameless in oh, holiness before yes. God." Yes. Ooh. Uh, love can cover up some of your yes. Sins. Oh, it's all coming back. Yeah. All right? So these are ways that you can be worthy of God, walk worthy of God. Um, so to continue this flow of argument today, we're going to go into chapter 4. Uh, and 
Paul is going to touch on a few things that we should either avoid or a few things that we should do uh, as we strive for this blameless heart. And we'll just work on loving everybody. Because it's not easy. You love that annoying kid on the bus? <laughs> that jerk in math. You are the annoying. <laughs> All right, uh, let's turn to chapter four. Verse one and two. Go ahead, Phoebe. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know that man, what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. What does abound mean? Abound means to Closest. It means to have a lot of something. Oh, oh like an abundance. abundance. Yeah. Similar derivation. Yeah. All right. So what is Paul saying? If we're to abound. Oh, um, we <laughs> should abound more and more in how you ought to walk. So essentially saying it's going to be a journey, right? Uh, so Paul is urging us to grow closer and closer to Jesus. How do we do that? We walk with God's commandments. Uh, we already talked about it, what it means to walk. So let's keep going. Next verse. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. All right, we're gonna stop right there. What does sanctify mean? Tough definitions. Sanctify? Sanctify? To be made holy. Okay, that, that fits. I'm looking for more of a colloquial definition. Did I use too big a word? Colloquial? Uh, colloquial means to like use commonplace language. <laughs> it's a very non-commonplace word. About commonplace words. <laughs> uh, sanctify means to to set apart. So if you're going to be made holy, you're different than other things, right? You're you're purified and whatnot. So that's why sanctify fits that definition. But at the root of it, it's to to make it different, to set it apart from the rest. All right. <clears throat> So, as we think about this, remember that the theme of the book is that we are chosen by God for his purpose. And uh, Paul is relaying some commandments that will set us apart, sanctify us so that we may be able to do God's work. God tells us here that we should abstain from fornication. Do we know what that is? Yes. Uh, my Bible says sexual immorality. So it's covering 
with one word, all the realm of sexual sin. All right. In Paul's time, sexual immorality was commonplace. Uh, prostitutes filled all the Greco-Roman temples. It was commonplace for men to have mistresses and wives, and monogamy was basically unheard of. Uh, and unfortunately, today is no different. Uh, with the advent of the internet, the opportunities for sexual sin are right at our fingertips. And uh, prom- promiscuity, <laughs> promiscuity before marriage is encouraged and celebrated in our society. But God calls us to be different, to be sanctified, to set ourselves apart from this trend. And in fact, he doesn't just call us to do that. He commands it. So let's keep going. See what Paul has to say, starting at verse 4. All right, so what's he talking about when he says vessel? Your body. Your body, all right. Some people misinterpret this verse and say that a vessel is, is your wife, but that's not true. That's not what Paul is meaning, all right? So he's talking about everybody needs to have control of their body and uh, set themselves apart. Everybody has to do this on their own. It's not just men. It's not just women. It's everybody. All right, keep going. Not in the lust of... Here's what mine says. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Verse 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God has not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. You therefore that job Paul with your giant words man Uh, (laughs) that last verse mine says therefore he who rejects this does not reject man but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit so we talked about abstaining what's abstain mean to keep to not do it it. because like you you can use it in like a uh, a voting sense, like I abstain, means I'm not going to give my vote, and I think so. It just means to not. <laughs> so uh, now God gives us reasons why we should abstain from sexual sin, uh, why we should follow His commandment, and He does this. He certainly doesn't have to give us reasons, right? 
we should always just follow, but he does this to so that we can better understand why we must set ourselves apart. All right, so we've got four reasons here. Can you find them? You should abstain because the Lord is an avenger of all such sin. What does this mean? You've never seen that? No. Because. Why? It's shorthand. Because B slash B the one I use all the time is that. What? Therefore. Therefore. What? Why don't you just write it out? It'd be so much easier. It's not because you have to you have to keep up with your teachers talking as you're taking notes. Alright, anyway. Yeah, sorry to digress. Because the Lord is an avenger of all such sin. The avenger is someone who takes, takes care of something? Absolutely. So, uh, what this means is, even if you don't ever get caught, God knows. Alright? And he, he will make sure that you pay accordingly. Alright? This happens with all sin, but Paul is reminding you specifically here with sexual sin. God's watching. Alright? Reason number two. Anybody got any guesses? Right there in those last few verses we read? Absolutely. We are called. Would you trust somebody who cheats on their wife? No. Alright. So this is a great reason. <laughs> you can't do God's work if you aren't following God yourself. Alright? So if we're not setting ourselves apart, we will not be able to properly do what God has called us to do. Next reason. Oh, um. We should know how to um, be in sanctification and honor. Sexual sin is a rejection of God. No matter how small or uh, how you may rationalize it in your head, ultimately uh, we reject God through sexual sin. All sin is a rejection of God. But Paul, again, is just reminding us. And then reason four. You guys ever heard of this? You can lose the blessing of the Holy Spirit. All right? <clears throat> the natural consequence of rejecting God is the loss of the Holy Spirit. God has a tolerance. If you continue to turn and turn and turn away from him, he will eventually say, all right, that's enough. <clears throat> when we accept God into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers us and works through us. That's part of the reason that we're able to do God's work. But if we continue to turn away, we will lose that blessing. All right, so what should we do instead? Read the next two verses, 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. All right. So instead of abounding in sin, we should abound in... 
love everybody, but yes, absolutely. Instead, love, excellent. Keep going, next two verses. These are more things that we can do. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands and as we commanded you. That we may walk honestly towards them that are that are that are that So we get a few more do's here, things that we can do uh, to lead this godly life, things that we can do on a regular basis to help us be ready to do God's work. What do you got in these two verses? Say that again? Walk honestly. Honestly? Okay. Where do you see that? Sorry. Beginning of chapter or verse twelve. Okay, walk. Mine says walk properly. Uh, so yes. That's why I didn't get it. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah, you you got it. Walk honestly, so you can tell the truth. Would you trust a liar? No. Absolutely not. Be quiet. Lead a quiet life. What is it? I think it means a little more than, than just being quiet. You don't need to do your own business, it says. So, mind your own business. I think those are, yeah. Mind your own beeswax. We'll talk about these. Let's, let's talk about lead a quiet life real quick. Real quick. You don't have to, like. Does it mean shut up? No, it means you don't have to go I mean, around. sometimes it does. Sometimes, that is you serious. Don't, don't parade around your opinion all the time. So I would say it goes so far as to not create an idol out of thrill-seeking, right? There's a lot of people today who are just going to the next thrill and then, you know, living for the moment kind of thing. That's what it's referring to as well, right? Does it mean shut up? Sometimes you should keep your opinions to yourself because that's the nice thing to do and the kind thing and the loving thing to do, but it means a little bit more as well. Lead a quiet life. You know, you can certainly do exciting things and, and amazing things and seek after fame. You know, or, you know, not seek after fame, but you can. it's not a sin to be famous or something like that. But if that's your goal in life, that's what you worship day in and day out, that's what this is telling you to avoid. Uh, mind your own business. You guys ever heard the song Mississippi Squirrel Revival? Oh! You guys know the character Sister Bertha Better Than You. <laughs> yes. All right? Sister Bertha Better Than You should have minded her own business. All right? And that kind of character really turns a lot of people away from Christianity. Right? Because they come in and they feel super judged. 
right? You're not, as Christians, it's not our job to judge people. It's our job to what? Love them. All right? So nobody should go around and say, you know, Phoebe, your dress is too short today. It says the Bible. You know, like that's... Says the Bible. Yeah. Crazy. All right? That's not how uh, we love people. That's not what God is asking us to do. Hmm? Judgmental. No, like if there is, I'm not familiar. Tuesday night. I can't remember the word for it. I'm sure there's a word because I'm oh, legalists. Oh. Mm, yes, I am familiar with that. And then the last one is work hard. Alright. Don't be a leech on society. Don't earn a living. Don't tell people what to do and do it yourself. I mean, sometimes people are bosses. Well, that's it's their job right. to tell people what to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So earn a living. Uh, in Greece at the time, the the wealthy showed off their wealth by doing nothing. They would just lounge around all day in public places, and that's how they showed that they didn't have to work, so they had wealth. And I don't know if much has changed in the last 2,000 years. <laughs> Wealthy people still like to show it off by doing nothing. Uh, so don't be idle, right? These things work together so that you can better do what God has called you to do. Uh, so people who aren't in the church, the people without, the people outside, that's who he's talking there about in verse 12, will look at us and say, hmm, something's different about these people. And then maybe, hopefully, at some point they say, want to find out what's different. All right. So let's take a step back, take a look at the big picture of what Paul is trying to tell us right now. Uh, Paul says, we're chosen by God for a purpose. I'm going to write this down. Paul says, we're chosen. What is our purpose? What God wants us to do. Yes, generally it is to spread the gospel. Alright. That's our job. The best way to do that is to love people and follow Christ's example. Sometimes that's hard. Uh, the consequence of that is sometimes you might be persecuted. Christ was persecuted to death, right? It's a tough example to follow. Uh, you know, give up your sin, all right? And then work hard. <laughs> Looks like a lot of fun, right? I mean, honestly, take take a step back, and, and you know, if you're if you weren't already committed to doing the work of God, does this look like a sweet deal? It's a lot of work, man. All right, here's my question then: Why do we do what God asks us to do? 
fair answer. Anybody else got any guesses? I think Paul knows that the picture's looking a little rough right now, so he's gonna. What'd you say? Say it louder. Okay, okay. I, that's what we're gonna get into. Let's read verse 13 and 14. What does it mean when he says sleep? This is a big theological question. There's a lot of contention about what Paul means here. Any other guesses? <clears throat> He's talking about people who have died. Right, so when he's talking about those who sleep, he's talking about people who have died. Some people think that Paul is saying that when we die, our souls sleep. And we just wait around until uh, Jesus comes. But we know that that can't be true. Because Jesus said uh, to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. So we know that the soul doesn't sleep. So we know that can't be what Paul is referring to. So uh, it's then safe to assume that he's talking about those who die. All right, let's keep going. Finish out the chapter. Verse 15. For those who say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord, for the Lord, for the Lord himself shall descend from 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 heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. All right, what's Paul talking about? We're going to go to heaven with not heaven. We're going to go to meet God in the clouds. Well, he's talking about the resurrection here. Yeah. So... Yes, when we die, we do go to be with Christ in paradise. But he's also talking here, when Christ comes back to earth, the dead in Christ shall rise. Right? And we will all be part of that glory as long as we know Christ when we're here on earth. So Paul puts this here as a sort of motivation. right? Because this is pretty exciting. Why would we do what we're going to do? Because there's this reward of eternal life. When you look at these things in the scope of eternity, they start to look a lot smaller, right? <clears throat> More insignificant. So if we know him here on earth, we can then know him when we die and return with him when he comes again. 
So that there is chapter 4 of Thessalonians. Next week we'll take one more step through Paul's flow of argument as he conveys to us that, you know, yes, we're chosen by God and conveying all of the requirements and privileges that come with that. And uh, hopefully we can apply them as we go about our daily lives. Thanks, guys.